1: Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour. Glad you're with us across the Outkick network and on Fan Run Radio, Fox Sports Knoxville, or listening on podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you'll join us each and every day right here on 360. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Free money this week. Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. He's going to be the next quarterback for Urban Meyer. You can bet $5 on that as a new user at FanDuel.com and win $100 on Thursday night as soon as he's selected. As soon as Roger Goodell gives him uh, the, the the okay to celebrate wherever he's doing that from his home um, because he's not going to the draft, you can you can do that. You can win $100. Then you can cash that in and turn that around and do whatever you'd like with it.
0: How FanDuel.com not, slash OK360. Okay how have you not already done this if you haven't yet? If you've not signed up for FanDuel, there is your excuse right there. 100 free dollars with that offer. Coming up, we give
1: you three players for round three and beyond that we think the Titans should target that fit this Titans team. That's straight ahead in a matter of minutes. First, though, the Nashville Predators. They win uh, two nights ago. They lose last night in the back-to-back against Florida. And now that sets up. And we knew this, we had it circled on the schedule to begin with, but it sets up a must-win for their playoff hopes as they near the backstretch, uh, the final week of the season. But that sets up a must-win against Dallas on Saturday night. Here are the updated standings that you're about to see here. 56 points for the Preds. Dallas with 54. Dallas coming up, they will travel to Tampa Bay today, and they will face... Tampa Bay tomorrow, then travel here to Nashville for a matchup against the Predators at Bridgestone Arena. There's a two-point gap.
2: And there's and a two-game gap.
1: Yeah, and the two-game gap. So we could see a, a turn for the Preds with a win where after Saturday they're up by four points. That, that That's conceivable. Also conceivable where Dallas gains some huge momentum uh, against the Preds. So a few days from now, A lot is going to be determined for this playoff race. And keep in mind, above Nashville on these standings, we've yet to reference the race for the number one spot. Look how close the standings are for one, two, and three in all of this. And that's who Nashville and Dallas are currently facing or will be facing. So uh, there's there's a lot to be earned in this playoff race as the Preds push for the postseason.
2: Preds need it not to be Carolina at the top for – for sure.
0: Well, Preds are going to get blasted by, by whoever Andrew, they play in the first right. round because they can't play with these good, good teams. teams. They, I mean, they just evidence it's last
2: night. I mean, it's bottom line, they
0: they feasted on the, the worst teams and they they've not done well. At they're all right, the right other where they
2: teams. belong in the standings. It's just a matter of whether they're above Dallas or below Dallas.
0: So after tonight, it's one game in hand. Now, this is the one of the extra games for Dallas. So that's that's big. Preds need Tampa to be big in this game and do what Tampa does. And beat worse teams and that's beating Dallas. So that's they they need some help tonight. The key thing is the final that back to back for Dallas to close out the season. This is what I keep staring at with both schedules. Saturday night's huge, head to head, for sure. Dallas and and Nashville. But Chicago, Chicago at the end of the season for Dallas. (laughs) Is that's that's the one that I keep that's sort of looming that's why Hutton, you mentioned it's almost a a must win. You need to treat it like a must win. You need to treat like a playoff game to win Saturday night, because because of Chicago, Chicago to end the season for Dallas. Preds
2: got really outplayed last night. Shots were way, way.
0: Not really outplayed. It was four three after two. They played really well through two,
1: and then I stopped watching. They did not get outplayed.
2: Well,
0: I think they they got outshot big time. uh, I mean, they uh, got. I,
2: I thought that that the Panthers really brought it hard. And then they took took control of the game in, in the third well, period. The Pre- I mean, again, the Preds were up 4-3 to... for,
1: for what the Panthers brought hard, what you watched. Uh, the, the Preds did the same thing on their there Well, on then their you end. should
2: be on them about a third period collapse comparable to the one that they had uh, a week or two days ago. I
1: mean, here's here's what uh, the local media here, and, and everyone's just stating the obvious about this team. They're saying and they're tweeting out, you know, unless it's UC Soros carrying this team that, you know, Nashville's not going very far. That's literally every team in the league on goaltending. It's like good quarterback play in the NFL. you got to have it or you're not going to go very far. And when Soros doesn't have any help in front of him and they give up these goals in consecutive order back to back. There's not much more he can do.
2: You know, I like uh, these screenshots I take, Jacob, if you could put up this one. so
1: Another great example.
2: They're 4-3 they're ahead. Now, you know, Hutton and I were looking at this. This is just hockey. But, Chad, look at where this puck is and look at the number of yellow jerseys around it. Tolvanen had a, a chance right a moment before this to clear that puck. But with this many yellow jerseys around this puck, I want it the hell out of there. Now, I understand it's hockey, it takes a bounce, you know, you're going to find puck a luck. chance there, <laughs> but uh, this is where the downfall begins, and it goes 4-4 because the white team here this, finds a chance this with is where fewer numbers to find this puck's way into yeah. the net, yeah. and things start to come apart. If I'm looking at this picture, though, what I'm expecting to happen is for the team in gold, as you love to call it, Chad, to find a way to get the puck the hell out of them, and they did not.
0: Well, and I'm I'm looking at the uh, April 26 game. So, shots on goal, 40 to 27, uh, two nights ago. Last night, 55 to 30, 55 outshot by 25 by the Panthers. Well, on the night before. That's exactly.
1: Night before was 40 to 27, 95. Insane.
0: Combined shots. So what you're saying, Hutton, is true that every team's going to have to rely on good goal. Any good team
1: play. can be undone by poor goaltending, and any poor team can, can be can look good, great with a UC Soros playing like he's playing. Well, he Absolutely. played well last but, night.
0: And they gave up seven goals, but the Preds are going to have to be better than giving up ninety-five shots on net uh, defensively in in back-to-back nights. Now they got the, they got some puck luck. You know, they got a little bit lucky the night before where they, they won 4-1. to one. I can't say they were lucky. They won pretty easily. Well, they played very well. Even though they got outshot 40-27. to 27. Uh, But last night, Again, not Again, that's Soros. Case.
1: Soros is carrying them. But that's the, that's stating the obvious.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I also don't think it's... Uh, Water uh, is wet. But Soros played very well last night and they gave up seven goals.
2: So something's not matching up there. But
0: also, 55-30. to 30. like You're going to have to balance it out at some point. You can have two goalies playing great, get outshot by 13 25. like the night before, and win 4-1 to one because of UC Soros. You're going to eventually get pounded like they did last night when you're giving up 95 shots in two nights and getting outshot by 25. The, the Preds had four goals on 17 shots last night in the first two periods. That's why they're up 4-3. to three. And eventually that tilted ice, puck's going to start falling in when you're constantly playing in your own zone the way the Preds were last night against, against Florida. That's what they have to figure out. It's, it's going to take a little bit more than Soros to win in the playoffs in that you're going to have to actually get the puck on the other side of the ice and keep it there for a little bit and not have it that out of whack.
2: I let the good games do too much to sway me off the conclusion that I have reached but, but stray from too often. The standings that we looked at are very clear, Right. Nashville's right where it belongs, either right above or right below Dallas. Mm-hmm. And that's it. There are, are three very good teams, one good, two middling teams, and three bad teams. And the playoffs are going to shake out and show us exactly that. So if they're in, they're going to get four, five, maybe six more games. And, and that's going to be that. But the
0: win is against David Poyle set his sights on Dallas and the way they're constructed as, as a rival. So you think it's on. a winning season Dallas if was they the Dallas? Dallas was the first huge sign of cracks in the armor for the Preds, right? They go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. They get bounced in seven by a really good Winnipeg team the next year. And then they look like the team who didn't want it as badly against Dallas in the first round in a six-game six game series loss the following year. From that point on, going back to that winter classic, they got trounced by Dallas. That's been the measuring stick. So the win this season is beating Dallas to get that final spot. Even that, That's the win. They're not going any further. Yeah. That's the win this year is it's beating right. It's not
2: very satisfying Paul,
0: to just You, you
2: can
1: harp on now. the six goals. Uh, I think he stopped 47 of the 51 shots yeah, last was night. Um, but my point on Soros is even after the seven goals last night, he still in his last 21 games – is averaging, uh, allowing, on average, less than two goals per game. Oh, that's how tr- good he's he, been. He's been terrific. That's winning hockey. He's that's terrific. winning hockey. And that's what you need going into the postseason. If your goaltender, on average, is only going to allow two goals, right now it's like 1.9, even after last night's performance. Yeah,
2: you've got a chance.
0: Absolutely. Well, the, now, for the Preds, you need the opposite of playoff pickup. Because we saw Pekka Rene with a lot of great regular season performances and some utter collapses in playoff times that cost the Preds big time. So if you're going to go with this that the goalie can carry, which he which can with UC Soros, it better be even better or equally as good once you get to the playoffs. Well, it can
1: be Pekka. It needs to be the Pekka when they got in as the eighth seed and made their run. Right. And he, was, he, was, he was fine then. Yeah, you
2: know, we need to think
0: back. Uh, so it was know, the catfish on the ice. Well, how many, season times, we how were... many times did Pekka go to the playoffs? And we're talking about one run. Right.
1: And we're talking no, about a bad team that runs. got hot at the right time with Goulton. Yeah,
0: he did not have enough runs for as good a quality I don't think that was a bad was. team. I think that was a team that was hurt all regular season that came together. That's what this team is. With P.K. Subban and everyone else at, at the very end and got in the playoffs in the back end. This is not that team. Well, Forsberg, I'm going to tell you, this, this team is well, not going to be. Well, what we don't
1: run. know is the significance of Forsberg and when he's back officially. But this team has been extremely banged up throughout the season.
0: Been it's banged up, too. but I, I also don't get the sense, again, if they were beating with regularity teams at the top and showing that potential, I'd be more apt to say this is a team that can go in the playoffs and beat everyone, beat anyone. I thought that team in 2017 was certainly a team that could beat anyone, and they swept the number one seed in the first round. I, I, just no don't, one saw coming. I don't see that. I don't see that with this. It's team. interesting too. Because we don't have to go back. Teams.
2: We don't have to go back very far. I mean, coming off last season, we said, "Hey, pekka has got to play a lot less," and Sor- uh, Soros has to probably emerge as the guy. Can he be the guy? Was the big question. He's answered that really resoundingly, um, which you know, I, I don't think even the Predators could have anticipated they were going to get this. So he's been a huge. Uh, you know, huge answer. Uh, imagine if he, right imagine if he had been average. Imagine if he had been average this season. Uh, Sa-
0: Saturday's going to be huge. I- I'm stating the obvious here. But um, that that is a huge regular season. Hopefully geared up crowd. They're allowing more fans in the stands now at Bridgestone Arena. I think you should
2: go to that game it's, as a representative it's of It's
0: going to be – uh, how about you go?
2: It's Easter, <laughs> Easter that night. Oh,
0: okay. Well, never mind. Um, I've got T-ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I have something, I'm sure I have something going on. What will you do if it well, rains? We just had a big event on Saturday night in Knoxville. What will you do if it rains? Uh, yeah. Take the family. Weather looks great. The girls Fore- will love it. Forecast looks great. I probably won't be there. But I'll be watching. I'll be watching. Coming up, we give you three players for rounds three and
1: beyond who we say the Tennessee Titans should target, and we'll tell you why they fit the Titans roster. For each one of us. That's next on Outkick 360. 360. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton talking Titans draft on the eve of the NFL draft. Titans round one, they picked 22 overall on Thursday night, but after that, they'll still have eight picks as it sits right now for the Titans Thursday, Friday, and Saturday combined. They'll have nine total selections, and each and every year, we give you three players for the Titans for rounds three and beyond. And we address some needs, some holes, some wants, and just overall talent for this team and why we think they will be a fit. There have been some hits in this exercise in the past and some just near misses.
2: Near misses. He near hit Janu Smith, which was a big one in the year that I wanted George Kittle. <laughs> Uh, so we had some tight end success that year. You hit somebody else. I'm forgetting.
1: Uh, Darrington Evans, who Darrington signs Evans. great autograph.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, and I, I hit. Right. Yeah, guy misses calling as a doctor with yeah. that type of signature <laughs> and handwriting.
2: <laughs> I hit Larell Murchison uh, last year, yeah. who obviously didn't have a, a great first now,
1: year. This year is a great sign, great sign for Chad, because well,
0: let me let me also set the record straight. I'm giving who I want the Titans to draft. I'm not. Calling people, trying to figure out who the Titans want to draft. This is not a prediction by me. This is what I would not. do. You guys, I feel like have predicted in the past and gotten right on some based on conversations. I'm not doing that. Just to be clear, huh? <laughs> this is a. I'm saying up front, I have no knowledge. We, this is my knowledge of college football and what I want to see with the Titans roster. Well, I like. I like that the group sense? of
1: players that you have listed uh, like, and the you know, need like, for like, the like roster.
0: Uh, but
2: I think we've got eight good players here. The, well, n- uh, and
0: that, that's no, not an attack not. on you guys. Very good that you did that. I'm just saying I'm, I'm going at this. Not This is not a prediction exercise. For you. This is a what-I-would-do exercise. Yeah,
1: eight, not nine, because we're, we're each giving three, and Chad and I will overlap here. And I'll, I'll kick things off.
0: What I'm saying is if you want to see who they're going to draft, listen to these guys, not me. Common theme.
1: Common theme for me with my three for round three and beyond. With two of the three, it is about alphas, it is about strong and tough-minded players, durability, and with my third, a guy with super high traits and ability to develop. But let's start with Elijah Molden, uh, corner from, from Washington, who I think is a third-round type of player. Nickel corner, tough and gritty uh, when you watch him play, solid instincts for, for what you would want with the nuance of the, the position of nickel. Washington did not... You can't find him blitzing very often, but he can get after it, and here's what I love about him. For all of the discussion this this time of year for injuries, this dude did not miss a college game. He played in all 13 games in 2017. He played in all 14 games in 2018, all games in 2019, and then all games last year. Extremely productive. Plays the ball like a receiver, meaning he doesn't drop it if it's headed his way, and He's going to be a special teams contributor as well. Not top speed, which is what separates him from Greg Newsom. But to me, Elijah Molden would be a solid pick for the Tennessee Titans with one of their two third-round selections. Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan, a late third or fourth-round guy. You lose a Western Michigan Bronco in free agency with Corey Davis. You're well-served to draft one this weekend. Same college, but, but very different than Davis. Eskridge, 5'9", and possesses sub-4'4 speed, track speed. And when you watch him, he is the best player on the field. And and up until this year, he even played some corner because they needed his speed to track the other team's best player with the football in his hands, and he's tough. An example of that, he runs routes across the middle at 5'9", and with his track speed. And on special teams, Paul, he plays returner and gunner for the, the punt team. So that that shows his mentality. Not a make-you-miss type guy, but does blow past defenders. And consistent, and he did really well in the Senior Bowl. Again, Dwayne Eskridge is one to watch. I'm holding off on Jacob Harris because Chad and I are going to, to get into There'll the significance of this. But I have him listed as both a wide receiver and tight end for a reason.
0: I love it, Uh, and I guess when I get to mind, we can go with uh, Jacob Harris. Yeah, hit it. I'll go with my three guys right now, and you'll see them, and I will talk about them. We're going to start with uh, Charles Snowden, edge from Virginia, big guy, 6'6", 243. He's listed at 6'7", according to the Virginia program, but NFL draft, 6'6". He's 23, a little bit older. Basketball was his first love. I love multi-sport guys, especially when you're talking about edge rushers and that athletic ability to avoid people and get around people in short spaces. Basketball players oftentimes have an edge when it comes to that. No pun intended. It's a the terrific position.
2: picture of it's him great. here. It's a great picture that David Reed found. That David Reed that found, reading, found uh, when he sent six that six feet system. off the ground, making a quarterback. <laughs> Look like a peewee
0: player. This is a, this is a great picture of Charles Stone and, and shows what he does well. He's he's not a heavy guy, not a huge anchor. He looks like a basketball player yeah. at times on, on the field. But, uh, looks can, like one there. Yeah, can affect the game in, in different ways. Good in pass coverage also. Um, in a short season, only eight games in 2020, he had ten tackles for loss, six sacks, very good. He is recovering from ankle surgery, broke his ankle. Uh, This past season, that's a a concern. Rangy, fluid athlete. needs some more mass, though, would be the big thing with uh, Snowden. I like him in that third to fourth round range for the Titans. Next, I'll go to one that both Jonathan Hutton and I both put down. Let's get into him. And we did not check on any of this with each other. Uh, We gave this to David Reed, not saying in advance who we're going to pick. And Reed got back and said Hutton and Chad have the same player (laughs) with one of them. That player, Hutton, is Jacob Harris. Dane Brugler, if you heard him on our show, we asked for one of these types of guys, and he gave Jacob Harris, as a guy he's interested in to take a flyer on, another multi-sport athlete. Grew up as a soccer player. He's six foot five, two 219 pounds. He runs a 4.440. That's what I love about
1: him. Well, he started his career at Western Kentucky and then transferred to Central Florida – as a walk-on, and then earned a scholarship at tight end slash wide receiver. He he averaged 23 yards per catch his junior year, and over the last two seasons, he's racked up nearly a 1,000 yards receiving, nine touchdowns. Nine of his 49 career catches have gone for touchdowns. This is a high-ceiling type guy where you're drafting on traits on day three. He can cover ground for his size. You mentioned his speed. He adjusts to the ball well in air. And he's look, he's a mid to late round talent um, who I'm investing in on on my board. And Chad, you have him mentioned as well. And I'm investing in him because he's not some scrub quarterback or a special teams player. This is a guy with a high ceiling but is not refined in any one specific area whatsoever. If I were a GM, he's someone I would want to target with one of my five picks on day three.
2: Probably, and John Robinson
1: has five picks on day three it's right now.
2: probably not much of a blocker, probably not going to be much of a blocker. You're getting him because of the speed receiving traits he and a, the height. He can go up and get the ball.
1: I'm getting him for the matchup nightmare he yeah. can create. Yeah,
2: he, he Red he, zone potential.
0: He's also kind of a blank yes. canvas, you know, with his athleticism. You, he could add weight. He's got a frame where he can put on more weight, but he's got the speed already. He goes up and gets it. Just watch him run. Yeah, and you see this in the NFL now, these hybrid, big, long, rangy athletes that have some speed, Mm -hmm. that can go and make big plays. I I love Jacob Harris for that reason. My final selection, I'm probably going to get ridiculed by some segments of the Titans fan base. Titans need a kicker. I'm not comfortable with their kicking situation right now. If you're going to take a flyer on Cole McDonald in a seventh round uh, out of Hawaii, why not take a flyer on a guy who could be a 10- to 15-year kicker and a very good one for your team in the seventh round? I want the Titans at that seventh-round pick, I'm getting specific here, in the seventh round to take Riley Patterson from Memphis. Why? Pretty local. First off, he's from the state. <laughs> he kicked at Memphis. Steven Gotzkowski kicked at Memphis also. There's been some good kicking lineage uh, from that school. He had a better junior year than senior year. 23 for 25 as a junior. This is the stat I love. Six for six from kicks in the 40s that year. This past year, he had a long of 56, so he's got a good leg. Only 70% as a senior. I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass. If you look across a lot of kicking statistics, kickers had a weird year. It was a weird year in 2020, shortened year. Kickers don't like to be thrown off any type of uh, method they have getting ready for a season. There's a lot of kickers. Evan McPherson, who's going to be the top kicker taken, probably a fifth rounder out of Florida, he had a rough finish to his year also this season. He didn't have as good of a year as he had the previous season. So Riley Patterson, Memphis, give me a kicker in the seventh round for the Titans and those are my three guys.
2: Did you check in with Craig Ackerman on that?
0: I did not check in with Craig Ackerman. I did though check in with James Wilhoyt, a local kicking expert who works with a lot of these kickers and he did not tell me to go with Riley Patterson, but I just kind of got his scouting report of all the kickers that I was looking at Kicker, and he gave me a good one. See, I think Chad's onto something. If Robinson
1: trades out of 22 and picks up a few extra picks, I think that sep- that last 7th rounder can be used on a player like like him because you guarantee the player that you want, not the player you're going to negotiate against in uh, undrafted free agency. I
2: have no problem taking a kicker in the seventh round based on what they've done in the seventh round, even if you don't get extra, even if you don't get extra
0: picks. Yeah, I think that the uh, kicker can be uh, greatly undervalued in the draft. We all know the importance of a kicker when it comes to mm-hmm. close games, but uh, I – I'm not the one to laugh at someone for going and getting a kicker in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. I don't think the Titans should do that here. I think this is a guy you can get in the seventh round, especially as if Hutton said, if you have extra seventh round picks. But I, I would be totally fine. In fact, I want them to take a kicker. Not in the on draft. some
2: regular basis, but no. now would be fine. Okay, my three. Uh, we've talked a lot about Hunter Long out of Boston College, but I bring you another Boston College guy that Mike Vrabel will have seen a lot up close watching his son play left tackle there. Isaiah McDuffie, uh, inside linebacker. This is a position the Titans have to uh, touch on sooner or later because uh, Rashawn Evans is about to not get his fifth-year option exercise for next year, and uh, Jayon Brown is going to be a free agent again next year. Three-year starter. Very good play recognition, son of a coach, high-motor guy, high-energy guy, which is something you like from that position in the middle of your defense. Very good versus the run, room to improve and develop against the pass, something he can do this year when he's not being counted on to start, but then a potential starter in a year. Needs better discipline, but he has that high, high motor. He's going to be a special teamer uh, right out of the gate. Inside linebacker depth, that's going to be an upgrade over a Will Compton um, or or somebody like that, Nick DeZubnar.
1: Um, Could he be a potential replacement for Rashawn Evans?
2: I think conceivably he could be a replacement for one of those two guys, uh, depending on how he develops. Yeah, probably more so for Evans uh, because he's more of a run guy than for uh Brown.
1: What
0: round do you see him? Balling? Fourth, fifth. Okay. Uh, so that's David
1: Long territory.
2: Yeah, conceivably. Okay. Um, you know, and I'm not sold on, on Long entirely, and, and I want some options. Well, lo- Long options is supposed to, like, well. I,
1: I expect David Long to be better than what he's been so far. Yeah, room and for development if you're, there. Yeah, if you're drafting Isaiah McDuffie with the same type of expectation, that's okay for, for that area of the draft.
2: Yeah, and you're going to need... Two of those guys next year anyway. One can start, one can, yeah, start, oh yeah. one can, one can yep. back up, and one could be sub-packaged. Yep. Um, wide receiver Mike Strawn, though it looks like it should be pronounced straight uh, He's from Charleston as a track and football guy. Um, this is the small school guy I'm picking for John Robinson who likes guys who produce... Uh, He likes productive guys. This guy was a productive guy at a small school. Six foot five, 226 pounds, and ran a 4.5. 18.4 yards a catch, 27 touchdowns in his career. Needs route development, but he's got body control, and he knows how to track the ball. Here's one downside. He will be 24 years old. At the start of the NFL season. That scares you a little bit. But you're getting a mature guy who's produced against his level of competition. He's a sixth or seventh round guy. He's probably got the eye of, of some other teams. You know, all of these guys are gonna, you know, be on other people's list. Intriguing to me as the second receiver you would choose in this draft. Yeah, um, and uh, I, think I, I like that pick. Probably uh, not I, unlike your tight end in terms of the traits.
1: Same thing, and um, you know, Strong is interesting because he's from the Bahamas, and then um, went to high school in Virginia. Ends up at Charleston.
0: Is this the Charleston in West Virginia? This is not College of Charleston, right? This is the one. This that's is in, Charleston. I think it's the Charleston that's West in Virginia. West, yeah, West Virginia. Yeah,
1: West yeah. Virginia. But six five two twenty six. Uh, again, like this this speaks the titans language to me for for the second wide receiver because in this case paul the first guy taken you're you're saying could be in the first round second round right and you're getting more of the gadget, for lack of a better term the gadget guy the 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 kadarius tony type player uh this is the offset of that this to is give you some the, and, on the and this is the
2: guy that puts nick westbrook akina yeah potentially where Nick Westbrook-Akina belongs. Yep. (laughs) Not second on the depth chart. On the practice squad? (laughs) Uh, Third, (laughs) Washington cornerback Keith Taylor, uh, 6'2", 187, uh, 453. This guy has a major deficiency on his resume. Zero interceptions. Uh, but this is why I think he's a guy you could be interested in. He turns and runs well. He needs to get stronger. But his other statistical stuff is pretty good. Quarterbacks completed, uh, this is in Bruegler's statistical thing, 43.4% of, uh, of the balls thrown against him. And he gave up only two touchdowns. So the interception sounds to me like a, a weird hole, right? And you look at the kid and think, hey, he can play pretty well. He just, you know, for whatever, probably dropped some, didn't have opportunities. But guys don't
1: catch the ball against him. Washington had a good secondary. Right. They're, and they, so they
2: got after it. He's probably undervalued because people look at the interceptions and say, hey, this guy doesn't get any takeaways. But these other numbers indicate that he covered pretty well. Um, 43 games, 19 starts. That's a lot of games to go without an interception. So I think he probably falls because of that, but like you said, part of a good secondary. He's playing um, with and, Elijah Molden. Yeah, and so I think could, could be a value there. He's fourth, fifth round yep. type. You know, I don't know that I'd want him to be the primary quarterback that they come out of this draft with, but you know, we'll have to see how things fall, so he's my third guy.
1: Well, we all agree on where, where depth is needed and some impact players uh, that we feel like can, can fill the, the depth void at corner, at wide receiver, how you can get creative with a few of these guys, and in Chad's case, you're getting a, a, a depth on, on the uh, the pass rush element of this as well, um, with with players with high traits. Well, I, I, I contemplated three or four other other guys, me too, um, in other positions, quite frankly. But uh, I settled on some players that I felt like could rotate in fairly fairly soon compared to some other positions where they lack a little bit.
2: I had another big wide receiver. I'm going to mention one other guy. Simi Fahoko from Stanford.
1: (laughs) You
0: nailed it. 6'3", 222,
2: 443.
0: So a buddy of mine sent uh, on our podcast of Outkick 360, you can play it, I guess anyone can play any podcast, in like a slow-mo, it's like half speed, and someone sent all three of us and what it sounds like, half speed, it sounds like we're wasted. Talking, but it sounds like we're putting on an act. Sounds like oh, that. that. That's exactly what Paul sounded well, like you know trying to pronounce. See me. Say it again. Fahoko.
2: Fehoko. My.
0: <laughs> the thing is that my that phonetic
2: notation, my phonetic no- notation, was poorly written is what it was. Simi oh. Fajoko, Stanford. <laughs> uh, another, another big play guy. That was the guy I was torn between him and the, uh, the, the Bahamas guy. But I, ha- I, I narrowed it down probably from 10 to my three. I really like this exercise. I think we've been doing it probably for four years. I like oh, it right. because uh, there's a chance to hit and look smart, but also because um, it gives you three guys that your ears perk up. When, when their name gets called or when their name doesn't really get called at this stage of the draft. When you see them come across the ticker, uh, and then we text each other, hey, there's your guy. There's he went guy. To, your guy went to the Falcons.
0: Well, and I, I knew I was going to go with these three positions all along, but there were different guys I was looking at at each position. But we had a good variation of, of yeah. position in this. Hutton and I both had the same tight end slash wide receiver. I went edge, kicker. Paul, you went inside linebacker, corner, receiver. wide receiver. Hutton, you went. DB also, right?
1: I went corner, wide receiver, and then a wide out hybrid type guy. So my two wide outs in my draft, and I I think two wide receivers is the right number. Um, I I split it for round three and then day three. Um, And that may tip my hand a little bit on where I'm going whenever we go on the clock tomorrow to predict what the Titans may do. Nonetheless, um, I, I don't think it's the wrong call to expect a round three or beyond wide out in this draft, and they, they need a combination of size and speed, and I think we did a good job of providing that in hey, this exercise. You know,
2: we've been doing it at least.
1: Well, I, since John I, was selected. Well,
2: I've got a guy that, yeah, so free agent, because I had Damonte Kazee, the, uh, who's a safety for the Falcons, who I liked coming in as a cornerback for the Titans, and he's now free agent that just signed with the Cowboys from the Falcons. So we, we've done a whole four-year uh, career some of our guys have had.
1: Coming up, the Tennessee Vols have a couple of players headed to the NFL draft that we'll hear their name called on Friday. We will discuss those two, and Trey Smith and Josh Palmer. And there's a kid in high school right now that Tennessee basketball is recruiting that only one other team is after. That's next on OutKick360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. We're going to hit some Tennessee Vols headlines and discussion in just a moment. But uh, the headline across the sports world today uh, announced that the Braves, beginning May 7th, so next week, uh, they're expanding their capacity at Truist Park to 100%. So, uh, Chad, your Bravos will be hosting the Withrows
0: soon. Will people turn out? Maybe. They'll, they'll turn out. They'll turn out for a good weekend series down in Atlanta. Will they turn uh, out to watch they'll, this team? They'll, they'll turn out. They'll turn <laughs> out. For a one-hitter over 14 innings? <laughs> Boy, that was a tough uh, doubleheader. They, a one-hit over two games is tough. A no-hitter yeah, and a one-hitter over uh, two seven-inning games is, is tough to sit through for sure. No, I think they're going to have good crowds uh, at Truist Park. Especially for weekend series, I'm curious now to see we know what's going on in Texas. I'm curious to see now uh, what other major league teams well, decide to start unveiling a plan to go full capacity sooner rather than later. Well we're trying I mean, to- the initial thought was by all-star break right the second half of the season yeah. a lot of places across the country would be fully open.
1: and we're seeing uh, you know I think the 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 idea is we're going to see full capacity for uh, this fall for football, but beyond that. Um, to tie it in locally with the Nashville Predators. Right now they're at 33%. Is it a little yep, bit more than that? 33. Um, could they expand to 50 to 60%, 65% if they make the postseason? I mean, th- that bottom line, bottom dollar, butts in seats and, and sales is massive for them right now. And if they can expand past what, where, where they are, the threshold currently, where they'll be on Saturday night, that is th- huge. And they'll be able to control that
0: number. So it I, matters absolutely. It, it matters for these teams. Yeah. Am I
2: alone? Uh, we hit on this at, at one point during the the, the pandemic and the changes post pandemic. Uh, I'm not looking forward to wrestling for the armrest with uh, some <laughs> <No>. dude. <laughs> I, I didn't when the when the planes went back to to uh, middle seats being full. The first time I had that. Uh, I was like, hey, you know, Paul, I, have to go I really back liked, to his old ways. I really like the Paul, luxury of Paul, the empty seat. Paul really embraced
0: the hermit nature that he's kind of growing into with this whole thing. When you don't have to be around as many people.
2: Well, I like I like being at the ballpark and having yeah. a little room. You know, you talk to the guy next to you who's as far away well, from you as Chad. Is. Well, <laughs>
0: let's give you let's give you the the, the complete honest answer. It's They're not, not going to be, be false, sold yeah. out every night. You're, I can go to Truist Park on a Sunday afternoon and probably have a little elbow room, yeah. <laughs> even if it's on the weekend. I mean, I think all these places. I know the Rangers were Yankees sold a out team, for their first game. If the
2: Yankees are at Truist Park, it's probably full.
0: I'd like to see the Yankees and Braves. The where they the, rank an and the last couple years. yeah,
2: Yankees is not full because yeah. it costs twenty five hundred dollars so, to get one of the good
1: seats. Yes, uh, so you'll see some empties whenever that goes full too. Uh, but this is this is awesome, and just the I mean, just, just the idea that we're getting we're trending in this where we're going to see the uh, the football stadiums back to what we're used to is going to be. A ton of fun. Um, Trey Smith and and Josh Palmer, uh, did not see the full capacity in their final season at Tennessee, but maybe they do that as their rookie uh, season in the NFL. Trey Smith, Chad, to you, is he a second round pick?
0: I think so. Given the injury history, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think so because I think he's a guy um, that you step in and and he's going to start you know from day one. He's a, he's a plug and play offensive guard, so second, third round at the very least, I think Palmer. Third? Same thing. I think he's more of a third. Third, uh, more than likely. Yeah. I don't think late second round or early fourth round would surprise me, right Third rounds the projection for Palmer, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was second or fourth either with him. I, I was reading Dave Ubben from the Athletic and his takeaways from the, the Tennessee Spring game and he brought this up multiple times. He said it's almost as if Tennessee in this spring game was playing a different sport than what they were trying to do under Jim Chaney in the offense a year ago. When you just watch the way they're spread out, and the different things they're doing. It looks like it's two different sports. Well, guess what? Josh Palmer was a victim of that different sport. Yeah. They were trying to play with Jim Cheney. Trey Smith, I don't think is as affected by it because his stats wouldn't have changed, and they ran more of a power running game at times. which probably helped him and helped display his ability to maul in the run games. But I think both guys are legitimate late-second third round guys, Trey Smith, maybe early second round, even
2: Josh Palmer, you know, who, who is a big fan pro football focus. Yeah, I've done mocks in, in at least three different venues and pro football focus keeps ramming them in your face. It's the top guy available or earlier than I expected. And he's just omnipresent. And I guess a lot of people or, or in the programming, a lot of teams keep passing on him because he keeps being there uh, for me to take. Cause well, I think...
1: watching him at the Senior Bowl, you, know, you watch him in the, in the Vols offense, and you question the production and, okay, is, is he not getting the ball because that's on him, or is this just the function of just really bad quarterback play? And it was a combination of really bad offense and bad quarterback play. Um, Because when you watch him at the Senior Bowl, he may have done the most to help himself versus the perception I had of a player that I was familiar with.
2: I feel like um, because a few of them are on teams that we follow, I feel like there's an unusual amount of people who are projected to be better pro players than college players.
0: You know I, what I mean? Well, I,
2: Josh Palmer at the head of the
0: But it's his physicality and yeah, his mentality that he you're, showed. You're, that, you're, you're drafting traits. Yeah. He's a big kid, strong kid, strong hands, goes up and gets it. He fared well against really good corner competition. But, uh, I mean, I think back on his career at Tennessee, I think I saw him catch two routes, a go-route or a five-yard <laughs> out. I'm, kinda... I'm just saying that's the knock was, are you ever going to throw it across the middle? Remember, Tennessee a year ago could not defend a pass across the middle and refused to throw a pass across the middle in any game. And you didn't see a lot of that with, uh, with Palmer. But in this orange identity. and white game alone, I saw Princeton Fant, as a tight end, split out, catch two uh, post patterns. And I'm thinking, oh, you can throw it across the middle. I, mean, I know it's a spring game, but just seeing the difference of trying to go to different spots on the field, which you didn't see, and I don't think Josh Palmer... Had much of an opportunity to do so at Tennessee.
2: Has he talked at all about his frustrations?
0: No, and I don't think that would serve him well. I don't think I don't think uh, teams want to hear excuses and you burying the uh, coaching staff that you were playing for. So I, I haven't heard him say anything about it poorly.
1: There have not been a ton of player interviews across the media circuit this. Well,
2: they haven't gotten uh, popularized. You know, I, I, guys have talked after their pro days, but it hasn't gotten out there as much
1: Uh, more of a press conference setting though. I'm saying like interview. Yeah. We haven't seen, uh, we, we saw Kyle pitch yesterday on NFL network and some of the top, some of the top players we've seen. But I mean, even the you know, the quarterback for all the quarterback hype, have we had like the one-on-one agents
2: really discourage it. And I think it's really a stupid part of it. I mean, are these guys, you know, they usually coach to prepare for their combine sessions now, without that, I'm sure they're still coached, but I don't understand why you wouldn't have them out there doing a little bit in anticipation of when they get drafted and they're going to be asked to speak on, on a regular basis in a more open way than they were made available in college.
1: Again, the uh, Atlanta Braves with the, the quote saying, with vaccinations across the southeast increasing, Truist Park being an outdoor venue and health and safety protocols in place, we are set to resume normal seating capacity. They were at 50%, I believe, Chad, uh, as of April 1st. I don't know if they've increased that over the month or not. But it was 50% April 1st. Now they're going to 100% on May 7th.
0: You've heard a lot of players, too, and and watching the the Braves uh, most nights. I've heard them talk about talking with the players after the game. They didn't realize how big the fans were. You know, a year ago, they went into it saying, well, we grew up playing in front of no one. It's not going to be that big of a deal or that big of a difference. We'll just go about our business. And they got used to it as that fanless season went on, that shortened season. But uh, all of them that you if you hear hear see quotes from them, it's we now realize, boy, it's great. Even if it's half capacity, if it's thirty percent, whatever, to have some buzz, to have some energy in the ballpark again is terrific. Now you don't don't realize how much you missed it until you miss it. Right and now you have it back. Now
2: if you have a big you know, beautiful Saturday afternoon, near capacity. It'll really be a delight for these guys. I yep. would think. But
1: And it's against, and for the fans. It's in a decent. I mean, it, it'll be May. I mean, there's still a ton of season to be played, but it'll be against the Phillies. Yeah. Which is off to the same type of start that the Braves are off to right now. Yeah.
0: There's only one team in the NL East that has a winning record, and that's the Mets, right now. And you know that the exactly. Braves are now the a game Mets. under 500. But they were a game and a half. The Braves were 10 and 12, and a game and a half out of first. I think going into last night, so
2: a lot doing. of
0: baseball to be played. A lot of baseball. There is a there is a recruit in college
1: basketball. Oh, this is a good story that's being looked at by Michigan and Tennessee.
2: I'll be Chad's old ball, and that's it. Michigan, Michigan,
1: Michigan. Oh, Michigan. So explain the connection between Michigan and Tennessee, Chad.
0: So Jawan Howard's son, Jet Howard, he is a four-star. Small forward prospect. He, um, everyone has assumed he's going to go play for his dad at Michigan, and he's telling recruiting analysts, this story came out today, this is from uh, govalls 247com that he's only been recruited by one other school other than his dad, and that's Tennessee, and that he's actually going to take a visit to Tennessee because he's interested because they're the only school recruiting him. He's a big-time prospect. Mm. I just found this to be an interesting story because – Rick Barnes is conceding nothing and and going after this kid, trying to recruit him because who knows? We see kids all the time not go and play for their dad and go somewhere else. But now I search Jet Howard. It's Jet with two T's. I search Jet Howard and the first three stories that come up are Michigan sites saying how Jet Howard fits in the future of Michigan basketball. They're already putting him in the lineup of what he could do with the program. So I think the assumption is, and I understand why, that he's going to go to Michigan, but you look at some different recruiting services right now, it's Michigan 1, Tennessee 2 for this next year recruiting class. Nobody thinks This would be a kid that would be the next year in that recruiting class. But I just found that fascinating that the nation's number one and number two classes right now, or at least two top five classes, yeah, they're the only two recruiting the son of the Michigan head coach, Dewan Howard, and he's going to take a visit to Tennessee. All right, smart. Yeah, good for Rick Barnes. Swing. I, I find it.
1: I find it refreshing that he's not just allowing one team to go after this guy. I also find it a waste of time because Jed <laughs> Howard's going to be a Michigan
0: Wolverine. Yeah, but you get a little leverage. We found this <laughs> kid on this recruiting. You get a little leverage with
2: that here, right? Say you play to dad, like, hey, dad, you know, I'm no guarantee. How about uh, you can actually play for benefits well, here. Dad,
0: how about he's, that car?
1: He's, is he 16 <laughs> or 17 right now? 16 or 17. Oh, I don't well, know. Is it, he's, a junior?
0: He's of, he's of driving age, I would say, yes. Junior in high school? Yeah, yeah.
2: Dad, how about a little pocket money? How about a little walking around money?
1: I mean,
0: this guy, if,
1: if I'm him and I'm as, as good as he is, I, I want to go to tour as many college campuses oh, as I possible. Would,
0: I would be right. uh, petitioning every school to recruit me uh, so I could go to hey. UCLA and all these places I've always wanted to go. I'd want to go on recruiting trips to these places. It is National funny, though, to think tour. about him talking to his dad and saying, Dad, do you realize how embarrassing it would be if your own son right. didn't go to your school? Do <laughs> you know how bad that would be for yeah. you in recruiting the future of Michigan? How about a
2: weekend at the rich, yeah. Dad? So
0: how about giving me the car that I've been asking for? I like it. I, I think it's leverage up. Or it could be like Ricky Rowe and Blue Chips and ask for a bag of cash in a gym bag.
2: Hey, we almost made it through the show without a bad movie bag. reference, but there the it is, 1257.
0: Paul, Paul's taste in movies is so so poor. Yesterday we <laughs> were talking. Yesterday we were in
2: the middle of a great, great conversation. He said, yeah, it's just like that Days of Thunder scene.
0: And I had three <laughs> people tweet and say, you know God, what I don't God. have enough of? Days of Thunder <laughs> references on shows like this because it's a terrific movie. Guys, great. Fred Thompson, great Tennessean also. Yeah.
1: Fun show today. And tomorrow, draft day. NFL draft day here on the show, which means we will go on the clock with pick 22. We'll give our prediction on what the Titans will do if they stick and pick at 22. And also, our annual exercise of who we don't want. The oh, Titans to yes. select.
2: Yeah, we gotta g- avoid unanimity on this. Who I think, we don't l- want. Let's take Tevin Jenkins off the board. See, we I all
1: don't want. I think we, you and I, Paul, should just grant access to Chad on this. Yeah, but you should have two. Chad, you can have him Chad and somebody have, else. He should give the speech of of Jenkins
0: or just any the position. I can just give you a position that, that I wouldn't. It could be him. It could be. Eichenberg, it could be anyone at that spot.
2: Well, Eichenberg's gone, as you've said. He's a I'll, Col-
0: come, I'll come ready. I'll come ready with something. Yeah. Maybe him, tomorrow. maybe someone else, but I'll come on ready. On the clock at 22,
1: we'll give you all the draft odds uh, through FanDuel. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Starting at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. All of the latest NFL headlines as we gear up for the 2021 NFL Draft on OutKick 360.
2: Don't go bang, bang. Don't block the box. And please... Lock the locks. Bang, bang. (laughs) No.